we're going to do is how it's going to look once you'll see it. We have your, we want to, we, your picture is premier on the screen. And I will be up in the corner to the right. They'll be able to see me, you know, talking to you. But your picture yeah. will be premier. But the main thing I wanted to make sure is that the sound was okay. Right. So she said you're sounding good. And can I go over a couple of uh, points? Because I want to make sure I got sure. my homework together. Um, I want to make sure I'm covering what your listeners want to hear. Yes, ma'am. We got, uh, and what, what should I call you? What can I call you? I, I, it just start coming out, Miss Melba, Sister Melba. But That's I wanna, fine. Is that fine? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Be comfortable, please. All right. All right. I have native New Yorker. Oh, my wife just said her hello to you. Her oh, name is Cheryl. Cheryl is her name. Hello. It's a pleasure to meet you, Eva. Oh, nice to meet you. <laughs> All right. Have a good show. All right. Thank you, Thank girl. you. Native New Yorker, multi-talented singer, songwriter, actress, producer with five octave range, Tony Award winning Broadway star, uh, unmatched portrayal of the character Ludie Bell Gus May Jenkins in the Broadway play Pearly. Also, I have uh, Dion of Hair, part of the original cast, right? Along with, uh, you were there with Ronnie Dyson and Diane Keaton during that time, right? and then eventually replaced Diane Keaton in the role of Sheila. Uh, and am I correct when it says that you were the first black woman to replace a white lead on Broadway? That's correct. There you go. Uh, then I also have, Miss Melba was also showing her talents on TV in the 70s, CBS television weekly series, Melba Moore Clifton Davis Show. Uh, and during, uh, well, then returning to Broadway after to join Eartha Kitt in the production of Timbuktu in 1978, right? Correct. Okay. Melba Moore was the first female pop and R&B artist to perform a non-operatic solo concert at the New York Met Metropolitan of Opera House, also the Olympia in Paris. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. Eight top 10 R&B hits, two number one hits, and three Grammy nominations. During the 80s and 90s, Melba Moore gave us memorable hits such as You Step Into My Life, Lean On Me, Love's Coming At You, Living For Your Love, Falling, and that soulful classic duet with Freddie Jackson, a little, Freddie Jackson, a little bit more. Uh, am I correct to say that it's been almost 50 years in this industry? Correct. As it go, as once again a multi-talented icon, and and I'm going. I'd like to say Wade Paver. She continues to create, perform, and make her voice heard as a not only as the artistic expression of her performances, but a philanthropist, an activist, as always for the rights of women and children, and no doubt still able to keep her audience on the edge of her seats with a continuous show of flawless and seasoned delivery and interpretation. And then I'll welcome you into the show, but I wanted to make sure that I had those right. Those are perfect. Okay, anything I need to add? No, that's gonna take All the right. show. <laughs> oh, well, I'm gonna I'm 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 back to back on them, but you know. <laughs> but I just wanna give that, that show. 
I'm going to grab me some water and I'll be right, right back to the table. We there, Wendy? Right. You still Yeah, running? I'm just, I'm here. I was just listening and I'm putting together the little um, say something about this live video part real quick. Ms. Bel Ms. Melville, I'm so excited to hear your journey. I know that as an you know, as an artist myself, working with my mom, with her group, The Emotions Now, that my other two aunts have uh, retired. It's my sister and I who sing with my mom. And I have learned so much, like this is different when I hear people from the real deal music talk and I see how you all do it. I'm like, dang, damn it, this is amazing. And just knowing all that you have, um, just what, what, what life brings, I, I just think this is amazing. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Okay, well, Uncle Vic, are you there? He'll be right back. Okay, he'll be right back. Okay, well, we'll be ready to go live in just a couple moments. I think he's changing his shirt. Oh, okay. I like that shirt. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I always got to be contrary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. That wind is something else out here. What has the weather been like where you are, Miss Melba? Oh, here you uh, I was saying, what has the uh, weather been like out there where you are? Oh, it's such a gorgeous day today. Oh. <laughs> All right, I'm here. Thank okay. <laughs> Absolutely. All righty. Well, we are ready. As I'd like, are we, we're not, because uh, I'd like to do a quick word of prayer if possible. Absolutely. Definitely, Father, we thank you right now for, first of all, blessings seen and blessings unseen. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to come to you whenever we feel that we need to come to you and you're always there to welcome us. You know our hearts, you know we're human, you know we're just trying. And uh, we thank you for every time keeping your gift of blessing open to us. We ask you right now to specifically bless this conversation with uh, the beautiful soul of Miss Melba and uh, allow me to allow myself to be open as I always try to be to anything that you want to pour into me to give to the world. We thank you for Wendy's inclusion. We thank you for the message of positivity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All, All right. right. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. We, the the picture, Wendy. Did you want us? Okay, I didn't know if you were gonna do um like an intro first and then. Have oh yes, yes. On. Sorry. Okay. Baby. No, no. Thank you.
And we are live in five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everybody. I'm Victor Brooks. And thank you once again for joining us at the Victor Brooks Show Facebook Live Quarantine Series. Uh, you know, I, I love getting on here and talking to our positivity posse around the world. Uh, you bring us so much joy. You bring us uh, the, the gasoline that myself and uh, my co-producers, Chris Brooks, Julie McKnight, and Wendy Vaughn here, you, you give us the gasoline we need to keep bringing positive messages to you, you know? Um, and, and, and that's all we're trying to do in our small way uh, that we hope carries on. You know what I always like to say? is come get some of this positivity on you, take a bath in it, you know, scuba dive in it, you know, jump off into it. And when you get up, just remember to sprinkle it on somebody else, you know? That's, that's all we're trying to do. And we can't thank you enough for always being here with us. Every Saturday and Sunday at uh, 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock, uh, today, we've, our, our internets are going crazy all over the country and all over the world, I guess you can say, because um, we are, uh, you know, everybody's on the internet right now. Everybody's doing their thing. And, and today, uh, we, we just finished with uh, YN Vaughn from Raise It Up Y. And we thank you again for YN for being with us. And as you all know, through the promos that we've been sharing with you, uh, we have an incredible uh, soul is what I'd like to start with. Miss um, Melba Moore is here with us. And, and before she joins us on, 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 uh, on, on the screen, I, I'm gonna let you know we're going to be doing this via telephone. And that is such a warming to my heart that although of Miss Melba's technical difficulties where she is, she said, no, I'm coming to do this show. And said, is it okay if we, we can just do this by phone? I said, okay, what? <laughs> I said, please join us. Uh, uh, this story has, as so many people, once the promo started um, of Miss Melba's journey, Miss Melba's story, uh, has been a ministry to, to, to so many, has been a, an encouragement to so many um, of her journey, of not just the, the icon of through entertainment, but herself as her individual journey. Has, has been given. Um, and I can't thank her enough. So we're coming at you, our first episode with Telephone, where you'll see the, the incredible photo that we have here of Miss Melba, but you'll hear Miss Melba via Telephone. Uh, and just to give a, a, a lead in here, we're talking about Melba Moore, native New Yorker, a prolific and multi-talented singer, songwriter, actress, producer, with a five octave range. Tony Award-winning Broadway star is, as we know from Pearly, an unmatched portrayal of the character of Ludie Bell Gussie Mae Jenkins, that naive powerhouse of the character that she played in the Broadway play Pearly. Also, we're talking as uh, Melba Moore, one of the original cast members of the Broadway play Hair, along with the incredible vocalist Ronnie Dyson and actress Diane Keaton. Melba Moore eventually replaced Miss Keaton in the role of Sheila, becoming the first black woman to replace a white lead on Broadway. Then, as we also, as we just mentioned, as her role of, of, in Pearly that won her the Tony Award, 
Then to television, 1970s, Melba was also showing her talents on TV on the CBS television weekly series, The Melba Moore Clifton Davis Show. Returning to Broadway after television, she joined Eartha Kitt in the production of Timbuktu in 1978. Melba Moore was the first female pop R&B artist, the first pop R&B artist to perform a non-operatic solo concert at the New York Metropolitan Opera House, also the Olympia in Paris. Eight top 10 R&B hits, two number one hits, and three Grammy nominations for Miss Melba. The 80s and 90s brought Miss Melba to us uh, and continued our love and respect for her artistry when she gave us memorable tracks and hits such as You Stepped Into My Life, Lean On Me, Love's Coming At You. Old classic, Freddie, a little bit more. Almost 50 years in this industry as a multi-talented icon and a way paper is what I'd like to say. She continues to create, perform, and make her voice heard as a philanthropist also, as an activist for women's rights and the rights of children. And no doubt, still able to keep her audience on the edge of their seats in her performances with that seasoned delivery of interpretation and vocal styling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my honor and it's my pleasure to continue this conversation and welcome the one and only Miss Melba Moore. Lady Melba, are you there? I'm there, Victor. Thank you so much for that intro. Thank you. <laughs> it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And I see already my positivity posse. I know you can't see the lineup of comments and things that are coming on of people joining, but uh, the love is there, Miss Melba. It's there. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I thank you. I thank you. All, all of Victor's um, supporters, now they're mine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and vice versa. We call ourselves the Positivity Posse, Ms. Melvin. All right. I, I, I want to join that one. What does positivity mean to you? Well, first of all, the opposite of negativity. <laughs> there we go. There we go. But it's, it's very important right now because your positivity and your hope and your um, courage can save your and everybody's life right now. It's really, really, really important to be on the right side of the truth right now. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And like I mentioned before in my in my intro, you've you've had an activist side, a philanthropist side of your of your life mission journey as well, right? Yes. As, as a matter of fact, I was just invited to be, become a part of the new. Black Lives Matter movement. Go ahead. I mean, that, isn't that a great honor? Yes. Because you know, it's it's uh, it's a reality in, in all of our lives now, not just Black lives, but it really has become an organized movement. There's an organization called Black Lives uh, Black Lives Matter, the movement, and they're using uh, my solo version of "Lift Every Voice and Come Sing" as kind of the uh, theme song because. Uh, they're promoting, I think, I'm, I'm not sure they're promoting the uh, the version that I did uh, in the 90s with all the other uh, black artists. By the way, let me say, Victor, yes. the, reason, the reason I didn't do it by myself in the beginning is because I had become a member of the National Council of Negro Women, which is which was then run by Dr. Dorothy Hyde. Yes, ma'am. And I was on hiatus, and I was traveling across the country with her doing her uh, um, um, national... Uh, 
That is so, I mean, you hit it right on the head because a lot of our audience with the Positivity Posse are made up of, it's cross-generational, and I, that's a blessing that we're seeing it reaching generations. But one of, we started it with our main core of our artists um, expressing themselves and finding their positivity through their artistic expression. Um, and it's just started to, to really, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, I don't want to say bonfire, but it's starting to spread that message right. through our young right. artists. And I look back over your career, like so many of us, uh, Ms. Melba, and you started your career, if I'm correct, in the late sixties, in the middle of the civil rights, I'm not saying started it, but with, with hair, let's go at with the play hair. Uh, right. That was on the cusp or in right there during civil rights, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Well, the, the secret to the success of the Broadway musical Hair was that it basically really was a civil rights, civil rights revolution. Yes. It broke all the mores. It said the things out loud that people had been saying in private. It, uh, all the parodies were against uh, uh, um, the, the um, prejudices in government. I, I, I don't know. I don't think we were the first one to call Richard Nixon tricky dick, but yeah, I got you. <laughs> but somebody did, and we picked it up. There you go. <laughs> and um, Margaret Mead, and um, right. one of the reasons that uh, I was hired, I was uh, they found me on a recording session that I was doing. Excuse me, I was I was doing backup uh, studio singing work. Okay. And one of the recording sessions was the music from Hair. Mm -hmm. And the uh, gentleman who wrote the music for it, called McDermott, was being accompanied by the two gentlemen that were starring in it, okay. Jim Rado and Jerry Ragney. They were also the script writers and, and the book uh, writers. Excuse me, the, uh, the lyric yes. writers. They wrote, uh -huh. he was, um, God wrote the music and they wrote the lyrics for all the songs. Okay. So the reason I got to audition for it is because they were doing the, the music and they were still casting. But one of the reasons I got, one of the, the parts that I got featured was uh, a parody in there uh, called White Boys. Okay. 
and I was parodying uh, Diana Ross singing about white boys are so lovely, white boys are so cute. Yeah. You know, I love white boys. Okay. But then, uh, then Diane Keaton came down and sang her song about black boys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. So if you were back there to hear that, this was unheard of. How can how can uh, you know a black uh, trio of girls think about uh, liking white boys? How you do that? You know. Yes. Yeah. And, and then how do you say these things out loud? And of course, it was a new thing. They just broke all the rules. Gotcha. Yes. And, and, and of course, I became the first black actress to replace a white actress in a lead role because they broke all the rules. There you go. There you go. So it wasn't just, it was, it was almost a mission, I guess you could say, that this, that, and I guess that's why the voice of this play uh, is still lingering. That's why it's, a, yes. it's it's so iconic because it wasn't like you said just the whole. It was also part of the peace movement. I guess it was one of the. It was. It was basically the peace movement. Like they had a big song in there called "Prisoners in Nigger Town." It's a okay. dirty, dirty. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. and the audiences were all white. Gotcha. Gotcha. How did that feel, Miss Melba, with with knowing that, and especially once you replaced uh, Diane Keaton there. And with the lyrics of the song, the message that was coming out, and especially during that time uh, in America at that moment, what was that feeling, Miss Melba, to know that this is now something you've become a part of artistically? I think I could understand it better in retrospect, but at the time, I just thought it was very exciting. I thought it was yeah. really weird that somebody might hire me because I had never acted before. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got I just, you. I, I felt like I was part of the revolution. There you go. Because I think some quotes that came out of that was that Melba Moore changed the color of hair. Yeah. You know. Well, I, I got the credit for it, but really they they did it. The, the writers and the producers. I got you. Their vision. I yeah. got you. Okay. You know, and with the whole. Um, so your your and also your campaigns with uh, with. Um, well, before I get to that. Let's go now to, to, to Pearlie and the whole idea of the, the, the message of Pearlie. Um, your character as the, I like to always say, the naive powerhouse. <laughs> I love that. That's perfect, perfect description. You know, of which I have to keep because I'm so proud of it, as well as I know millions of others, that this was your Tony Award, you know, winning right, as Best right. Supporting Actress, correct? For, yes, for, for that Tony, uh, as this character. Now, uh, we know with Robert Guillaume and the rest to the, the cast there, can we also say the continuing that message of Black artistry, okay? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, I didn't realize it then because it was an all-white audience. It was Broadway. Mm -hmm. It was a gospel musical. Wow. See there? Gotcha. You're right. <laughs> I mean, now that we have that genre officially, mm -hmm. we can look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> And you know what? And looking back, because uh, there's so many now uh, YouTube clips of, of your performances, and you're right, the, the, the audience was, uh, was a white audience. It was Broadway. It was what? 19, it was the early 70s now? What year? It was 1970. 1970. And uh, the, the faces, what I, of course, the performances, and, and what one of the others that you're known for is those long notes that you're able to control at every octave, you know, that was delivered there. But the faces of the audience, the all-white audience, or the <laughs> predominant audience, 
Was there ever a time, Miss Melba, when you were doing your thing and you had that moment and that, where you looked out, especially now, once again, during this time in our society, did anything go through your mind that also repeated that, you know what, hey, I may be making a statement here through my art? No, I'm telling you what happened, though. <laughs> tell me, tell me. <laughs> well, first of all, I got the role because the young lady who told me, uh, she told Jim and Jerry, the writers and the, the producers of Hair, uh, that, you know, they were having a lot of different people try to do the, the role of Sheila, and okay. they weren't happy with them. They kept changing. All right. So she said, well, you never let a black girl try. Why don't you let a black girl try? Why don't you let Melba try? I said, well, okay. Wow. And I got, I got the part. And then uh, I've been in the show for a year and a half. And um, uh, Mary Davis is her name. I'll never forget it. Okay. She said, no, but you don't even really know how to audition. You didn't audition to get in this show. And right. got, this show's not on last forever. Why don't you start <laughs> going up the thing? She, and she told me about auditions for Pearly. Okay. And she said, well, what you have to do is you have to try to be like what they call typecast. I said, well, what's that? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> she, Let's start from scratch here, right? That's <laughs> she said, well, you have to try to find out something about the role, about the play, and try to look like the part. Yeah. Okay, so she showed, showed me where to get a script and everything, and I looked at it and everything. And so uh, she said, now, Melvin, I auditioned for it. And, and a lot of people, they may have picked who they want already, but I think they still have an audition. Uh -huh. She said, now, the character is country. She's from the backwoods of the South. And she don't know how to read or write. She's country. You you think you could handle that? Well, but I made history yes, in did. country. There you go. <laughs> but I was trying to learn how to audition. That's, that's what I'm I trying to I got you. Oh, come on. But I got the part. Come on now. And got a Tony of the part. In the same and a career. <laughs> and a career. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great story. That's a great story. And and it just, in my opinion, it gives that whole essence of that realism that we feel from this Bell. Exactly. And I, I got to give honor to the fact that, of course, my mother was a professional singer. Okay. So I had it in my genes. My natural father was a very famous band leader by the name of Teddy Hill. Oh. But my mother married uh, my stepfather. And they had a, a musical uh, a group together. They performed together. And he was a piano player. So he made, uh, he had a son and a daughter. So I, now I had a, uh, a brother and sister. I was an only child before. Okay. And uh, he made us all learn how to uh, play piano. But uh, when my mother was a single parent, we lived in New York City. She was gone all the time. So I was raised by what we used to call a nanny. Mm -hmm. And the, my uh, grandmother was, uh, invalid. She did, she never spoke, so I don't really know my, my family history or anything. So all I knew was what Mama Lou taught me. Guess what she was? She was a cotton chopper for me. So okay, okay. <laughs> she never learned to read or write. Right. After I, I started out in Catholic school, I think that's where I first got my, my spiritual, you know, upbringing, and it stayed with me. Yeah. But uh, when, when I was in about, you know, six. Third and fourth grade, I used to try to teach her how to read and write. She said, I don't know, how, I don't need to learn how to read and write. I got mother with <laughs> And, you know, I talked like I was from the backwoods of Southbury, North Carolina. Okay. That's the reason I got the part. Okay. Now, we used to call her Mama Lou. Mama Lou. And so you took some of that part of growing up and the, and the realism of the family and, and drew what was in your blood that said, wait a minute, I got this. It's coming up, you know. 
audition. No, I didn't know how to audition, Victor. But when I was reading reading the uh, the Parthenon stuff, I would see it, and then it would really get country. And then uh, Philip Rose, who was the director and the producer of the show, said, "Well, what are you saying? I would get so country. He didn't know what I was saying." (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Let me ask you this: When did you know? You know what? Wait a minute. So did it hit you that this is something, this, I, I'm a singer, I'm a performer. You know, when you didn't know how to audition, coming from that, did it hit you right, before right. that or during this time of Pearly that you know what, I'm about to do this thing? Yeah, I, re- I remember standing in front of the microphone when I um, entered one day and before I began to say the uh, script uh-huh. character, just looking out there and looking at them, look at me and me look at this. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Oh, and um, I thought, oh, they're looking at me to, to, to say something. Not, not, not say something, but to give them a, um, a feeling or whatever. <laughs> because I didn't, have any, I didn't have any acting lessons, so I didn't quite know how, how wow. to articulate what was going on. And before I uh, actually got on stage and realized we were connecting with each other, yeah, um, I read the script and I thought it was kind of what we used to call Uncle Tom. Okay, okay. And I thought, you know, um, but I didn't realize that it was a comedy. And when, and of course, uh, R.C. Davis wrote this yes. in the movie D. Yes. And and he knew better, but you know, you also had to be kind of tongue-in-cheek because it was an all-white audience and Broadway was very, very, very racist. Okay. So what I realized was that, uh, um, yes, this, this was a message coming through and um, we were doing it through comedy and we were uh, um, really uh, um, revolutionized during the, the theater with this piece. Yes. It kind of hit me. Yeah, yeah. Changing that game is what, you know, like I learned that phrase, like you change. That's why I like to use the, the when I speak of your career, uh, a way paper. Because once again, we're going to that timeline of, of late 60s into the literally the early 70s. And like you say, I've heard so many times, they didn't call it the great white wave, but just the lights that show. You know? <laughs> and, you know, here you are with no acting lessons previously. Right, uh, even to the point of saying, you know what, uh, an audition. Okay, I've heard that, but what is that all about? But still moving and breaking that barrier, um, right. which if we fast forward even to now, which we're not. I'm just saying for conversational and, and piggybacking. So many have now come through that great white way because right. of. Uh, uh, of of your stepping in and and even I'm going to say innocently not knowing like you just mentioned as far as the the the, 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 the how the process went you know how do I get this down you know and so you Correct. mentioned you, you came from a, a musical family it was in your blood um, and then with this caring Miss Melba like I mentioned was it at that specific time that you said you know what. Uh, here's theater. When did music, as far as a recording, was that around that time now, or was the next stage literally television at that time that you started now in, inducing into your journey? Well, actually, they were, they were all happening kind of simultaneously. Okay. Uh, that was difficult, too. Um, Tell me about that. Uh, well, once I got the Tony Award, everything changed dramatically overnight. Wow. 
and then of course we got I uh, got invited into television. Uh, at the same time, I um, had met and fallen in love with Quentin Davis, and he was down the street in the chorus of uh, Hello Dolly starring Pearl Bailey. So all kinds of yes. barriers were being broken. Mm -hmm. But then after that, he, he um, left to star in, I can't think of the, the place that he was in now, right. but uh, Oh, Two Gentlemen of Verona. Right, right, right. He started that. And uh, so we were like, the funniest share of Brooke, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And what am I mistaken? Because when Cliff did his episode, <laughs> he brought this out, Miss Melba, that some of the shot callers in the industry, the production people, had no idea you all were an item outside of the stage. No. You know? Well, I don't know what they knew. Everything was just coming at us so quickly. <laughs> and we were saying yes. I got you. <laughs> but you know what? You said the sunny and share of it all. And and with now, what didn't the show, re, did it replace sunny and share during that no, time it, slot? Or? It replaced the Carol Burnett show. That's, okay. Now, wait a minute. Now, y'all, my age and older, let me, you y'all are, I know some of y'all's jaws are dropping if you remember the bit. But to, to come in, okay, and, and I'm so glad we have. Miss Melba, to, to correct me if I'm wrong, but coming right after that slot, because there was no cable then, you had what, five main networks and we, we were watching, so the, to vie for those, you know, those television show slots, to come at, with, after the, the, the Carol Burnett show with two beautiful black souls at that particular time, I can remember, when we're talking, I think you said 1972 or around that time, there in my household, like so many households, especially in the black community, Miss Melba, when we turned on the TV and we saw the Afros, we saw the talent, we saw your hairstyle keeping it natural. And, and I'd like to know, was there any problem ever with that uh, once the production got started? But it gave us a sense of pride, which in my opinion, as we started the talk, your continuation of groundbreaking, your continuation of saying, okay, I'm going to be one of the first of this as well. And now it's crossing over into television. Um, and I've heard it said in, in different conversations that when you see the, 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 the promos of still shots and then the whole um, um, uh, message of the, the Clifton Davis, uh, Melbourne Moore Clifton Davis show, that was the Beyonce, Jay-Z vibe of, you know, our right. time of being a little youngins and, you know, saying, right. do you get that, Miss Melba, a lot? That this uh, was groundbreaking. This is Black love, y'all. They out here singing as well as acting, right. you know. Right. right. Well, I, I think, you know, Clifton uh, uh, being in, um, in the company of a great woman like uh, uh, Pearl Bailey. Yes, ma'am. Uh, turning Hello Jolly Black. Right, right, right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we were in the midst of a revolution where we were um, looked at in awe and um, I'm just thinking that that set up so much confidence because I certainly was not a person of confidence at all, okay. but maybe I had more just um, hunger and desire to be an artist because that's really what I'm born to be. Yes. And maybe I had more fire than I realized in me that... Uh, that might have taken the place of what most people might have called uh, courage or nerves. You just go, go for it. You oh, don't gotcha, know what gotcha. you're doing. You just go for it. 
And then, of course, you know, I'm in love. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm supposed to be on Are you soaking? Right, right. <laughs> Don't feel like you can't do anything. There you go. There you go. And you, yeah, all of a sudden, all of, because me as an artist, I know feeling, you know, all of our artistic uh, buttons had pushed at that time, all of our hopeless yeah. romanticisms, you know, that we're able to and say, oh. I don't, I don't know what Christian's education is, but I'm well educated. Yes. I came from teaching school. So That's right. I'm very mentally and, um, uh, I guess, artistically disciplined. Yes. So that's something I don't even really think about. I didn't have really so much ability in, in terms of what, but I would study and work at it and, and get it. Okay. Yeah. Like you said, it was something born to be. Like you said, born to be an artist of expression, but then learning that craft is what I think is what you're saying too, right? Like all the same. Well, just... um, what I thought I was doing was learning on the job. Ah, gotcha. On job training. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's what that's what they called it when I used to get my I had my jobs coming up. You get the on job training, brother. Yeah. You know? That's it. That's those it. opportunities were there so voluminously there and just was exploding. So yes, where if you could you said, Yes, let me get in there and learn how to do this. That's that was my attitude. So with I'm trying to learn how. And and with that groundbreaking of that, you had a natural meaning afro. The episode, you kept your hair natural. And I and those of us in my generation older know what I'm saying. That was heavy back then. Okay. Well, you know, I I think that was nurtured in the culture of hair. Ah, okay. Okay. I mean, some people didn't even wear no shoes. There you go. Hmm. And whatever you were, that we were encouraged to live and express that that was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you have problems with the network when they said, well, because because if we remember, uh, you know, and I'm speaking once again to my, my generation and older, the Afro was a, in a lot of ways a sign of protest. The natural hair was a sign of, you know, hey, uh, uh, it was it was correlated with that, with the, with the fist, with the whole nine. It was a revolutionary symbol to a lot of people with coming on. I think, I think what, the, what broke the barrier yes. was that. Um, he came from two gentlemen of Verona. Yes. I came from uh, winning a Tony Award in Curly. Right. So, right. And my hair was very fashionable. I had a beautiful hairstyle. She works with uh, Gladys Knight now. Her ah. name is Blondie Brown. She created yes. all these incredible. Oh, wow. It wasn't just no Afro. <laughs> right, I got you. It was, it was, I, I understand. But, yeah, I got you. I got you. So, right. We were the first to come out and make it high fashion. And, really just go all out in all kinds of crazy, yes, just yes, crazy, right. fabulous, ridiculous. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I'm seeing now a lot of the, that, that wardrobe you all, you know, the, the, yeah. the whole, the whole thing of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's my mama used to the whole thing. It's outrageous. It. <laughs> fashion statements. It was uh, uh, new things that you hadn't seen before. That's right. Uh, and that. Entertainment. That's entertainment. <laughs> that's, that's what it was looked at as. Yeah. Wow, look at that. Because it was so fashionable. That's right. Not so much, um, oh, you got an Afro. It wasn't like that. Got you. Got you. And I'm so glad that you're, because with this, with this, um, this episode that, that you're, you're, you're giving us today, um, that that's the type of education that myself and others I know need of, because you know we we love your work and you as the artist all these years, and and being able to hear directly from you, Miss Melba, uh, just that point there, 
you know, of that. It wasn't just a protest Afro. We were delivering show business as two professional black entertainers as well, right. you know, that, that were opening doors, crossing barriers, you know. Um, I, well, I, we looked at it as doors being open for us. Okay. What we going to wear? What we going to say? And nobody on the show, you know, was black or had done anything that had anything to do with black culture. Mm -hmm. So we brought our friend Mildred Lane uh, just to be there. And she would feed us lines and, you know, uh, give us alternatives to what was given to us. So it wasn't funny or if it was, you know, yeah. not appropriate for for, for black people wow. or white or white people, any, anybody. It's just, gotcha. just what, was, what was acceptable. Because gotcha. there hadn't been any, any uh, line set in terms of the type of uh, entertainment show that we were doing. I think Bill Cosby was on or was coming on, or Cliff Wilson was on. Um, uh, there, were, there were other... Um, black entertainers, yes. but we were doing something a little bit different than had been done. Exactly, and much respect to that uh, to that legacy. And and then I see, I still see it, and many of us still see it in photo shoots. You know, just recently, um, you know, the the style that was set forth by by you and Cliff at that time. And with with going back to the the the, the deciding to go back now, we're talking theater after. Uh, the television show, right? And yeah. we're talking going back with another icon, the Earth, the experience with Eartha Kitt in Timbuktu. Right. Oh my goodness! I mean, come on! I'd I want to hear so many of us. What was that experience? First of all, going back to Broadway after television, uh, was it a natural transition, or was it something like, like you said, this is entertainment? Or and then, well, once again. Um, I was I really was naive. I really didn't have management. I, I didn't have any um, appropriate, really, or, or wise guidance. So I, I lost my career between the time that uh, we did the TV show and uh, the time I came back with The Greatness of the Kids. Yes. But thank God for Jeffy Holder. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. He, he wanted to do this uh, 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 African beautiful, lush, yes. semi-operatic Broadway play. Yeah. And, and he loved Arthur and he loved me. He yes. wanted us to be um, kind of opposite each other in, in terms of her being the, uh, the, the grown-up uh, glamour character and my being the younger glamour character okay. and the love story and the beautiful uh, semi-classical music that it presented. So he, it was his creation. I got that opportunity because that's what he wanted to do. He wanted me if he wanted her. <laughs> okay, right on, right on. <laughs> and that, you know, that whole, and once again, we're looking at, uh, when you mentioned Brother Holder, I mean, uh, Icon and his right, you know? Yeah. And uh, just the fact now that once again, the Great White Way <laughs> has some of us still doing our thing, you know? It's got a few more rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some colors to that now, you know, that are still standing to this day. So with that, after, uh, and I sure appreciate you, 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 you giving us our, our chronology right now, Ms. Melville, because it, I see with the, the comments here and things that are coming up, 
oh my goodness, it's, it's not only being educational, but it's also being a, a source of uh, inspiration to a lot. And when you have the chance to look back on these, you'll see what people are saying right now. Um, with the, now, when did the recording end? Now with seven, and 78 with Timbuktu, with the recording, Buddha records, your, 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 your singing contracts, your, your, your life as now Melba Moore, the, the singer, the recording artist. Well, once again, because someone incredible came into my life and said that, uh, well, you should, you should be a recording artist. Okay. And of course, that's what I thought I was going to be because that's what I started out as. Okay. Uh, I, I, I love teaching school, but I wanted to be an artist. Okay. And uh, one of the first people I met is uh, my stepdad would take me around to meet different people with Valerie Simpson and at the time wow. she was kind of shopping some music she, she hadn't yet signed with Motown but I think she's just on the cusp of getting ready to do that but she was also uh, a great studio singer she did jingles and exactly. she did that kind of thing she mm -hmm. wasn't a, a solo artist yet yeah. and um, she we exchanged numbers and she's the one who got me involved in recording studio work so the, that, that was my my first attempt and I, I had hoped you know to grow from there and maybe get some solo yeah. opportunities and you know maybe do some demos and stuff but what happened was the hair thing happened and so it shot me to broadway so right. I, I, I said instead of learning how to sing in the studio i'm gonna learn how to act and sing on the, on the broadway <laughs> <stage>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that uh, came uh, after the recording studio experience yeah. and I thought I would be a recording artist first but it didn't turn out that way okay but after um, I got the, the Broadway experience I then met my uh, soon-to-be after that a husband Charles Huggins uh -huh. and he was in the restaurant business okay and he had also uh, been a, a booking agent for several different artists in okay. the past but he was naturally gifted as, as, a, as a business person, as an entrepreneur. Okay. That was just his gift, all kinds of business. Some very creative, very ideal, and, and very courageous. Would try anything. He you. was trying to get me a manager, but he couldn't find one. Because everybody <laughs> said, well, she's been on Broadway. She's too white, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. Okay, okay. Uh, you know. That's interesting. Um, That's she, interesting. She can't. She can't do recording. I had already done recording. Every, everything right. they told him that I couldn't do, I'd already done. But he said, you know what? I'm going to manage you. There you go. So he said, we just started exploring and finding some things. And he got me my first recording uh, contract with Buddha Records. Okay. Okay. Um, excuse me. was Mercury. Mercury. Okay. Mercury okay. Records. And he got me the fabulous Gene McDaniels with my songwriter oh, producer. That's right. That's okay. Right. That's right, Gene McDaniels, yeah. And the, the um the album is called Peach Melba. That's right. That's right. And when you listen to that record, I sound like I'm about twelve years old. My voice hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it's so beautiful to, to me now to look back and see the journey, you know. Yes, exactly. And and once again, I didn't ha really have a style yet. So I, I was learning by the music of the day where I fit in and how to um to grow as an artist, as, as a solo artist. So I went from uh, Mercury to Buddha Records, and um, that's where I think we got um, um, Van LaCroix. Oh man, here we go. Yep. Am, am I right? Was it Van? Van McCoy? I'm trying, I can't I'm trying to remember if he was with that label. Yeah, I think it was with Buddha. 
Yeah, I have Van McCoy here off of my notes, so I think we're on the same page. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, Van McCoy yeah. uh, brought me, uh, um, well, quite a few really wonderful songs, but what I brought him. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> right? Because, because it still breaks my heart that Aretha Franklin has passed away. That's how much yes, I love her. Yes, yes, yes. Gotcha. And I had heard her sing Lean On Me. Come on. And during the time that um, I began to get booked in um, concerts, live concerts, and I was uh, booked at um, Avery Fisher Hall at Lincoln Center. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had my own arrangement of Lean On Me, and it brought the house down. So I took that arrangement, <laughs> right and I reminded Ben that he wrote this song, but he had to do it this way. Okay. <laughs> Right on, right on. Because <laughs> I couldn't sing like a piece, so I sung my heart. I told, and that's when some of those notes and stuff really started to uh, exactly. set in. And because I was trying to express myself, and I was still developing my my, um, my style. You know what, Miss Melba, you hit it right on the head with that. Because what? right before you 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 know went into your uh, story here, uh, you you said something that when you said you started to develop your own, you hadn't had your own. You were starting to learn your own style, you know, when you with the Buddha Records recording, the, uh, with the Peach Melba recording. And what is the importance, and I know growing up in it, the importance of an artist being open and, and understanding that learning your own style, developing your own originality, uh, that you give an interpretation of a song. You make this performance yours. Because uh, like you just also mentioned that doing Aretha Franklin, uh, you, are, you aren't Aretha Franklin. So when you came and did the Melbourne-ness of it, you did, that's what, that's what the, the, if I'm correct, one of the Grammy nominations came from and right. what we also fell in love with. So the importance of an artist learning their own style, developing their own style. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a journey. It's a process. You know, for instance, you're, you're a Christian, so you know yeah. about miracles. Yes. But miracles are a process. Come on now. We, we always think they just happen. Maybe yes. that's the wrong analogy. No, I'm, hey, I'm, hey, I'm listening. I'm all ears. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to hear more about Being a well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that uh, as artists, and I think we're um, so rich here in America because it's just the spirit of artistry mm -hmm. that God has poured on us, especially through African Americans. Yes. April. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And so he takes you on a journey and you have to try things. And Well, I did. Mine was, I, I, knew, I knew that, especially from the character I, I played, uh, Lily Bell. Yes. It was because I was tiny and my voice was real light. I sounded like a kid. Okay. I wasn't a kid, but I sounded like that. Right. And then when I went into the studio to try to see what, what you know, that was going to be, generally, a good R&B singer has a nice dude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, something that has a weight to it. Right, right. They know what they're talking about. Ain't nobody going to believe it. You sound like No. You got to come rough it up, you know? <laughs> I said, but my boy, they like that. What am I, I going to do? Uh -huh. That's 
Well, that's what I'm telling you. That's the road an artist has to take. Come on. You hear something in your time, in your ear, on the radio or in, on the internet or wherever you hear it now. Oh, that's fabulous. But you got to find out if your voice will do that. And if it won't, you got to find out what it will do. Come on now. Come on now. Oh, because we've already got whatever that singer is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we don't need another. We don't need someone who sounds exactly like Aretha Franklin or Chaka Khan. We already got that. There you go. There you go. Ms. So it has to become a journey, and it's, it takes a lot of coverage. <laughs> well, Miss Melba, do you think that in this genre presently that thought has been lost? If not lost, or that thought has not been equally recognized that of your it's, own it's, it's not been lost i don't think it's ever been discovered i you know we keep plowing ahead because we're inspired but nobody ever spells out to you that there's a process and you can go through it i mean that's not sure probably if i haven't been in the educational system in a very long time okay. so it's probably being, being studied okay. and one of the reasons we see people like on um uh, american idol of those shows they're so fabulous because they have been taught this. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I think it's, it is being focused on now. Okay. That gives hope. That's that other string of positivity that we always love to bring. And when we have, you know, the, 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 the people such as yourself who can give us that wisdom, which you just did also now, of your intake, you know, your, your, your take on, on the artist journey <laughs> you know which you're yeah, correct yeah. It's and I, I really do think it's a good one because um it's it's the journey that every artist has to take unless they come here some some do with a style mm -hmm. and they sound the same way at the five years old as they do at 50. Yeah, right. it's already there <laughs> What if they don't? They got to take the journey. <laughs> they got to take the journey. And you know what? With your explanation, I think, when did you find in your journey that you could hold the note as long as you can in every single octave? Well, my, my friend, he used to, I used to sing with her okay. uh, in a group called Voices in Me. Her name is Ines and Clinton. Right. And uh, we were both school teachers and we, we performed too. And uh, she used to play for me, you know, these little, uh, uh, whatever opportunities, not paid for this, you know, we were just get, getting experience. Yeah. And she reminded me that we were singing, this, so she was playing it for me, and I was singing, climb every, I don't know if you know that now, climb every mountain. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, it goes up and up, and, and I'd be trying to hit it so hard, I'd be trying all the time, all the time. One time I hit one of these notes and it hit. <laughs> and, and I was holding it to find out who hit it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, I don't know if you know, I, you took this big, 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 big breath and you were trying so hard. You really weren't really quite cognizant exactly what you were doing. Yeah. So you hit it and you projected it in a certain way and it went way over there. And I was holding it and I kept holding it. I said, oh my God, that's me. There you go. That's right. That's right. And then I felt comfortable. So I kept holding it. I kept holding it. Wow. And so then after that, I said, I wonder, could I do that again? Then it became like aerobic exercise. You could, you could do it. But because you don't do it, you lose it because it's not, it wasn't natural. Okay. 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 And then I started to build on it and let it go higher. And, and that was it. That, you say, this is part now of I can put this in my bag of 
this is right. this my style. This is part of my styling bag that I can pull from. Right. right? And you can't use it all the time, but you it's, it's a gift that you had have that you didn't have before that you can now use. And then you learn other things. You learn types of um, little rips or runs of stuff that's suitable for you. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> because it's, it's a good part of, uh, of the art of R&B music. Okay. So you know, I sing classical too. Yes. So you, you know you know what's acceptable in those kinds of tones. And, yeah. And even if you do ad-libs, what's acceptable in that style. There That's you. what I mean. There you go. No, knowing what to do, when to do, and why to do. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't sell apples with oranges. Come on now. <laughs> hey, that's what they say, right? I believe it. <laughs> but you know, Miss Melba, when you you've just graced us with your your starting all the way at the beginning of, and how we you know set it up and put it together with um, the 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 boundaries that you broke through, the gates that you came through, uh, both being uh, black and also being a woman. It's coming from the late '60s all the way we talked through the '70s, and we're now you know knocking on '80s door um, with that that. In my opinion, lasting during that time and, and doing overcoming what you what your process took you through, there's a sense of strength there. There's something, you know, not just the 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 incredible talent and artistry of Melba Moore, but to many of us, Miss Moore, we, we're looking at that strength, that yeah. tenacity, that something that you're born with. Where did that come from? Absolutely, it's what you're born with, but it also comes from knowing that you're very, very, very weak, and you don't just say, "Okay, I'm weak, I give up, I, I lay down." You keep working on it, and actually, you can be, you can become stronger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is particularly important in character and integrity. Yes. yes. But I mean, those of us who know the Lord a little bit yes. know that's where it comes from. Sometimes we don't know that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But if we keep going and he continues to give us longevity, we'll learn, okay, that's where it's coming from. Then sometimes it might be um, something wrong in your career or in your, your talent yeah. that you could actually trace back to a character flaw. You start working on that and there's a connection. Mm -hmm. You'll find different areas of strength actually in your physical body. There you go. Like singers can't just eat the paint chips and watch it. <laughs> 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 about not just your artisticness but your 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 holistic your 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 right. uh, you whole, know when, when did that did was were you was that was eating the right thing or or all of that because if i'm not mistaken you can you still split don't you yep yeah she said yep you know that don't come natural. <laughs> but when did that always be? Well, I mean, when did that always be? When was that always a part of your your temperance stuff? Your, what you ate, well, you know, when you ate? Yeah, because I discovered before doctors would tell you mm -hmm. that the food they give you will kill you. Okay. That okay. I've had pneumonia, bronchitis, all kinds of um, respiratory problems. Okay. And. Uh, now they're going to find out during this coronavirus, and I'm seeing it in the supermarkets all of a sudden. They're selling very, very expensive mm. vitamins. Yeah. And uh, fruit 
make uh, desserts okay. that don't have all these poisons in them. Right. Uh, and um, people are changing from eating, you know, like fried foods to baked foods gotcha. because your food is a type of the body and blood of Jesus. Okay. And mm. I'm, I'm not making the connection. No, I don't I want to go through all that now, but I eventually you. you see. And everybody can't eat the same thing. Some people can eat meat and stuff. Mm -hmm. Some people can't. Right. But if you find those things out, your other abilities kind of fall in line because your mind is clearer and stronger. Yeah. If you're a singer, most people know singers should not have dairy. We know. We now know oh, that. Oh man, that's that's <laughs> one of my downs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm saying that's one of the obvious connections between gotcha. food and uh, um, strength mm -hmm. of life. Muse, yeah, mu that mucus input. That's it. That's right. Right, and mucus is, is inflammation. It's it's a disease waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I found that out the hard way. The doctor did not tell me that. <laughs> well, you know what? Another thing, Miss <laughs> Melba, when you mentioned, uh, like I said, we talked about the journey of your career, the groundbreaking, that tenacity that you have, and had to have, you know. Um, and we're here with what you just attributed a lot of that to. As much as you're comfortable, the 80s also brought um, some ups and downs for you. Uh, as far as like, the, is this when the divorce happened during this time? Right, right. And, and, you know, we, I, and once again, it's an honor because I know media can flip things. I know journalists can flip things. And to hear it directly from you, um, you know, I believe that's the ultimate respect to give to you. To tell us in your words, as much as you're comfortable saying, that whole journey of that, that from the blind side uh, part of your life, of what happened, and especially the divorce and coming back from that, Miss Melba. Right. Well, I'll try to kind of just bullet point it because I yes, think I'm going to have the opportunity to, uh, you know, write the books and, and tell the Fantastic. story. Fantastic. Okay. So, but basically, um, I'll just get to the point where I lost uh, my husband. I lost, I have a daughter. Yes. One of the reasons I was late for you today is her birthday is coming oh, up. And I was like, I was trying. Right I was saying, thank you. I was going to buy something beautiful for her. Yeah, yeah, I got you. And um, I had to have cesarean to have her. So, there were just wow. many things that made me think today, oh, I'm going to grab this opportunity. You know, I forgot about our interview gotcha, gotcha. We, we scheduled. Mm -hmm. But um, I lost her for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I was evicted at the same time, okay. around the same time. But um, this, this gentleman by the name of Michael Matthews mm -hmm. called me just around the time I was getting evicted. And he took me out on the road to see these wonderful beautiful theaters that he was mm -hmm. filling up around the country yeah. two and three thousand theaters with these gospel plates i know you think i'm gonna say tyler perry but i'm gonna tell you michael matthews because michael matthews taught okay. tyler perry okay but i came along first right right but um just about um three or four days before i was to be evicted he called me out on the road to do a, a play that he called Mama, I'm Sorry. Mm -hmm. One of the stars in it was uh, Ronnie Wilson from the Gap Band. Yes. And just a bunch of incredible, incredible, talented people. Mm -hmm. The main thing is, uh, I'm not sure I knew that, that I was born again to save him. That's part of what broke up my family because nobody knew what that was and it had hit me and it didn't, 
I didn't belong to like a particular denomination or mm-hmm. nothing. I think it's, it came because I was raised Catholic in Catholic school. Okay. That's religion. You're being taught religion. And Catholic, is, that's the church. But it's not a denomination. The Catholic church, it means universal. That's the first Christian church. That's the church Jesus Christ started. So that's the basis from which I feel like, you know, all the... Uh, um, the other... late the all, other... All, all, all the places that Jesus uh-huh. went. Yeah. Have been made into Catholic churches, okay. not because of the religion or a denomination. Mm-hmm. That's what he left for us as proof that he came here. Okay, all right. So, um, anyway, I think that stayed with him when all these different things happened. Gotcha. Um, it just it just came more evident to me that I that I was saved, I was born again. There you go. So uh, when he when Mike Matthews brought me out. To this play, <laughs> I, I was so depressed, and so I don't think I was depressed. That's not the word. I don't think you could really be depressed if you're saved, but you're just broken and you're in grief. Oh, I, I mean, I have one child. And I have no idea where she where she was. Yeah, yeah. I've been addicted. I've, I've got lawyers to try to stay in in my place. I filed for welfare to pay the rent, but they don't want welfare recipients of Central Park South. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Right, right, right. <laughs> On the road, I'll just skip to the first yes. rehearsal we had. Yes. And um, I'm coming to the rehearsal, and she's this beautiful, her name is Peter. This beautiful young lady said, Good morning, Saint. Praise the Lord, everybody. I thought I had died because I am nobody talking about me. <laughs> You're waiting to hear the angels coming at you, man. I'm like, Oh, what has happened to me? <laughs> and I say that, Vicky, to let you know what kind of experience experience that was mm-hmm. um they, these people were they really were saints but i mean i didn't know what that was before yeah yeah they they i remember one of them tried to have an argument with the other they couldn't they don't even know how to do yeah, that yeah I guess. They said, well uh, if you uh, if they even finish the sentence yeah. they don't know how to do that and um well to make a long story a little bit shorter, they prayed with me, they stayed with me. You know, we traveled. I, that was the first time I went on a tour, because mm-hmm. I've never been on any kind of a tour with any of the, the plays that I've been on. Okay. I went to Broadway, that was it. Yeah, right, right, right. And so now I'm on my first theatrical tour on a bus. That was wonderful, you know, just going from place to place and picking up memorabilia here and there and laughing with each other on the bus and everything. But even the bus driver was saying, he would pray before <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was safe. <laughs> right. That and is out so of sight. They really, you know, and everybody had come from something. Yeah. So it was just such an amazing, it wasn't just healing. It's just like you actually were lifted and went someplace else. Mm. Or, or carried someplace else. Mm-hmm. And eventually I, I was able to get in touch with my daughter and bring her out on the road with, with me. Oh, wow. Fantastic. And she said, Mommy. Wow, she, she would listen to them singing. She would be back there crying. She never yeah. heard anything like that. Yeah. I said, baby, that's what saints are. Okay. Honey, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what saints do. Yeah, 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 right, right. But see, that's that whole journey. And during your journey, like you just said before, miracle is a journey. Yeah. You know, and that, that's exactly what I'm hearing here. That, yeah. uh, I, oh, I'm sorry. I just because it just hit me that that's it's, it's exactly. where it's where I really started to learn how to sing gospel. Okay, that's a real late bloomer, but you know, better uh-huh. late than never. Uh huh. Well, yeah. but you know, it's, it's, we're talking about that tenacity again, 
your career, uh, personal situations, you know, the divorce, the ups and downs, the, the negativity that, that, that media and third parties want to disrespectfully bring, you know, and everything that comes with it. And Ms. Velma, you're still here, and we just got through kind of giggling throughout it. Now, to me, that's a, that's a string of positivity, you know? That's it, it is. It'll show you the essence of the presence of God is positivity, yeah. Come on, And um, he usually requires, he wants to confront the ne negativity. So you usually go through something to get to that. It's, it's, a, it's a priceless treasure that we have, this positivity and this joy. Mm -hmm. And so we usually go through some terrible instance for God to say, okay, because this is my battle. You can't even handle it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What you trying to do? Right. What you, right. <laughs> yeah, you just go ahead. Just be quiet. Keep trying. And I'll take care of it. It's, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's always something terrible because that's what God requires so he can show himself. Yeah. Yeah. So he can show himself. We get out the way. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, I remember we had the opportunity the blessing to be able to call little Richard like our uncle growing up and he used to always tell my my brother and sister and I you, you gotta go through it to get to it it ain't no and he ought to know <laughs> he ought to know you know and that's here the same part of a thing you know God bless you oh. man and you know so now we're going to go forward to 1996 and if I'm not mistaken in the acclaimed La Miserable you did another white black replacement Right. <laughs> the right. 1996 replaced another performer on Broadway. Now, with that uh, character, was were you not only the replacement, but I believe that you were the first uh, black uh, female in that role. I was the first black to play that role. Yes. Please tell us about that before we <laughs> please. Oh uh, well. I had nothing. I was. I wasn't doing the uh, the gospel play, mm -hmm. so um, I was trying to follow my my inspiration from Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. Because I remember her doing a one one woman play that she wrote, and uh, yes, from there, mm -hmm. it, we started to see her do uh, her comedy and other things, and it, it developed her. And she went to Broadway with it, and yeah. so I said, "Well, I'm not a playwright." You know what you're not. Yeah, but you ain't got nothing, so. Right, right. <laughs> I got you. What can you do? <laughs> People say, why don't you go back and teach? We're not going back. we got to go forward. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so uh, I wrote this little play of uh, mine. Um, and actually, I still have it. It's called Still Standing, the Melvin Moore Story. Okay. And I was just learning how to... Um, put it up and I put it up in front of a, an audience and just to get some feedback and criticism so I could figure out how to finish writing it. Yeah. But the gentleman who did the casting for Liz lived in this little town and uh, he came to see it because he knew who Melvin Moore was from mm -hmm. Broadway. And he says, oh, I didn't, I think I sang Summertime or something in my little classical voice. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I didn't know you were saying like that. You, I want you and Les Mis. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. No, that's how I got that. That's how you got that. Another groundbreaking, even in the 90s, coming at it. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, as you can already tell, this conversation is not a one-hour conversation. This conversation with Miss Moore, and we cannot wait for this book 
we cannot wait for the book that you that you and you know in in our opinion our humble opinion not just the book but we need documentary on melba moore's journey we need a, a movie on melba moore's journey because it's inspiring it's educational it's real and when you hear, and I know many of you, as I see on the speed right now, not only have we loved Melba Moore over the years, but as we can hear in this conversation, Miss Melba Moore is real. You know, <laughs> you've been real. And, and it comes out in your, I can, I, the way that you hit the stage. I remember there was a watching and uh, it just hit me just now. You came and did a presentation, I don't know whether it was BET or, or something, it was a television show where you did lean on me. Um, and it was you, the way you just entered the stage was like, you know what? This is real. Look at her. She's just, you know, and something well, you know, Victor, it does seem like, uh, like every day, seems like a fresh day. It seems almost like it's the first time it's happening. I always still get scared and nervous, which is why I always prepare so well and yeah. make sure that I eat the right things. If I get scared, my voice is going to go. And I'm like, I got you. I'm not scared people are not going to love me and everything, but you just don't know what's going to happen. So you, you want to really be prepared. So I feel like, oh, here we go. Oh. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Let's do this. Miss <laughs> Moore, before we get out, can you give a, 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 a message uh, to our positivity posse? Our people here, artistic young people who are oh. are expressing themselves because I always one of my platforms is always telling them, listen, y'all, even we're not we're not trying with our positive message to say, hey, we're negating or trying to act like this world is flip flopping right now. No, it's not. We understand that, but we're also saying that young artists. If you not, if we're not expecting you, because we can't do it every day, wake up with a smile on our face and, and act, you know, just running around like it's all daisies and rainbows all day. No, we're not saying that. But if you feel negative, young artists, write about it. If you feel negative, dance about it. Show your artistry. Um, and I'd love to hear your take on the positive message of artistry especially what you, now what you said is perfect i would just kind of um add to what you say or say it in quite uh, a little bit different yes, perspective however it is you feel express it in a way that somebody can take and use and be inspired by don't make it so negative until you depress people or you or you yes. um discourage them because um you get so more if somebody's lifted up by what you do mm -hmm. it could be the, the message for what the the thing that happens can be negative but you don't have to be negative. There you go. There you go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it. You've heard from Melba Moore herself. Uh, Miss Melba, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, I know with technical difficulties and your baby girl's birthday coming <laughs> up and you just had things. I happen. apologize. No, we're, we moved you on. And so when, when you, you. you know what? When you said, you said, no, Victor, we go, I'm doing the show. I, I just said, thank you. <laughs> it was just an incredible thank you again of a repeat to you because you had so much coming at you, technical, your, everything today. But thank you again. Thank you, Brother Ron. Uh, there in New York as well. And um, much respect, much love, Miss Melba. Ladies and gentlemen, I know she has to exit. And, uh, but uh, as we're going on to, 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 through this journey, y'all, 
Um, and you are hearing, you just heard this incredible story of, of one of entertainment's icons. There's no doubt about it. One of entertainment's uh, legends, no doubt about it. And like I like to say, a way paver through Miss Melba Moore, not only as, as a black performer coming into her own through the late 60s um, and then all through her career, but also as a woman and also as someone who has held the banner high, number one for artistry, uh, also for, for fighting the, 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 the racial injustices, you know, the sexism uh, that plagues our communities all over the world. But she is proof positive that positivity is powerful. Negativity has its power, but as Miss Melba just said, you can't let the power of negativity overcome that power of positivity because it's there, it's real. And uh, I thank you every day, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us at the Victor Brooks Show, Facebook Live Quarantine Series. You know, come on back every time <laughs> you can join us. Oh, I didn't know Miss Melba was still here. Come on back, you know, get some. I've kept my quarantine for one hour today. You got a one hour today. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, I'm getting used to this thing uh, in my yeah. own way, but it's given me time to to write more. You know, it's given yeah. me, I'm, yeah. and I cannot wait to hear the artistry that's going to come out of this episode of life. Oh yeah. You know, from our artists, and uh, and we here. So, ladies and gentlemen, once again, you know what I always say: come get some of this positivity on you. Take a bath in it the skinny dip in it, scuba dive in it, take a shower in it. But when you come out of that pool of positivity, sprinkle it on everybody you can, because that's all we're trying to do. And as you know, I'm not CNN, we're not BET, we're doing our own platform in our own way that we can do it, because I'm sure it's going to help somebody. And if that's how I can help a few, that'll do. I love you. Talk to you next time on The Victor Brooks Show.